Well, if you're surprised I'm up here, I'm sort of surprised myself. But uh, I had the privilege of preaching in Murray, Iowa this morning, and when I got back to the car after lunch, I uh, had a text from Pastor. He wasn't feeling well, wondered if I could uh, preach tonight. So, of course, I said yes, and here we are. Please open your Bibles to Psalm 48. I brought some outlines tonight. Um, I don't know if there's anyone who didn't get one, but if you didn't and raise your hand, we'll make sure you get one. I really would like one in your hands tonight. Okay, we have a bunch of hands going up, so uh, Larry, I see you head back that way. Maybe we could get uh, a couple ushers to help out. Uh, I really like for people to know where I'm going and where we are when we're done. So uh, you'll be having an usher come by and, and share with you. Yeah, the outline will come around so that you can have it in your hands. And I, I trust that it'll be a blessing to you. Psalm 48, I suppose, is on the list of psalms that Pastor will eventually get to on Wednesday night. Um, I enjoy that series very much. Uh, and I was in the psalms last month. Um, by God's grace, I've been able to read through the Bible every year since 1985. And so in the summertime, I'm reading Psalms, Proverbs, and uh, Ecclesiastes, and Isaiah, and Jeremiah. I'm in Isaiah right now. And yet, a few weeks ago, I was in the Psalms in my daily reading. And this message tonight will be part sermon and part testimony because of what the Lord has been uh, doing in my life. On Sunday, June 14th, many of you know that I took my wife to the ER at Mercy Hospital and we had a difficult but precious week there. And we came home that Friday evening and she passed away within an hour after we got home. Uh, during that week, Thankfully, by the grace of God, the doctor had a standing order for me to come in, even though the hospital was locked down. I was able to be with my wife every day and, and, and some of the nights. And so I was sharing with her what I was reading. We did come during that week to Psalm 34, which is just back a few pages. And if you were able to be at my wife's funeral, um, Psalm 34 was on the bulletin, and Psalm 34.3 was the verse that was on the back of the auditorium wall when my wife and I got married and was sort of the launching pad for our marriage and ministry. Psalm 34.3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I'm thankful that we had 46 years to do that. But I kept reading and eventually came to Psalm 48. And it starts out so wonderfully, Great is the Lord, which is the title of our message tonight, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is in her palaces 
He is known as her refuge. So this psalm is an expression of the glory and the greatness of God and the glory of the Jerusalem, the holy city, the capital of Israel. And of course, the psalm starts with God and ends with God. And the ending verse is our text tonight, Psalm 48, 14. For this is God, our God, forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. When I read that verse in the hospital, uh, I, w I was there and, and uh, I, I looked for a Gideon Bible. You know, some hospitals still have that, and they did at Mercy Hospital. And so I read that verse, and I was reminded that one of our deacons way back in Knoxville 40 years ago shared this verse as a favorite of his and that came back to my mind as I read that in the hospital and I read it to my wife and I meditated on it for a while and being the preacher that I am I thought this verse is not only wonderful it breaks down in four points and they all start with P isn't that beautiful I love alliteration and so, this is God. He's preeminent. Our God, he's personal. Forever and ever, he's permanent. And he will be our guide even to death. He's pastoral. He's our shepherd. He's our guide. He's our pastor all the way to death. So tonight, I just want to share these points with you from the word of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, even though a week ago we didn't foresee uh, being in this pulpit tonight, uh, this morning I didn't foresee it. Lord, you, you planned it. And I pray that you would just use your word, which is settled in heaven and will last for all eternity. I pray that and it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that you would use your word tonight to do your divine work, whatever it may be and whatever we need. May your Holy Spirit bring it home to our hearts and minds this evening. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This is God, the psalmist says. We talk about God, we sing about God, we read about God. How much do we know about God? And how much do we grasp the greatness of our Lord? The psalm begins, great is the Lord. And he is great, isn't he? He's God. He's the only God. He's the only wise God. He's the only true God. He's the only living God. This is God. And this preeminence is seen throughout the word, throughout the Bible. The beginning of scripture is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. God. God created the heaven and the earth. There's no explanation of where God came from or why he's there or what he's going to be doing, he's just there because he's God. He's from everlasting 
to everlasting, thou art God, Scripture says. And I believe in the first three verses of Genesis 1, you have all three members of the Godhead right there. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the second verse, the Spirit of God hovers above the waters. In the third verse, and God said, let there be light. And then a little bit later, let us make man in our image. God was there in the beginning. He is the beginning. This preeminence of God is seen in the Word. It's seen in His world. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. And day unto day and night unto night, all the, the world can see the glory of God and His very creation utters knowledge about Him. So much so that sometimes we say, I don't know how a, a, a pagan in such and such a place in the far corners of the world, how can God send someone like that to hell when maybe they've never seen a missionary? I just believe that from what I read in the Bible, that if one of those men, one of those women in far away places look up into the sky at night or day and they say, you know, there's somebody bigger than me, I want to know who it is. God makes that happen. Because he does it so much so that Romans chapter 1 says that the invisible things are clearly revealed by the things that are seen about God so that we are without excuse. His preeminence is seen in the words that describe God in Scripture. I had a little fun looking online uh, last night, in fact. I was up way too late preparing this message last night. But uh, listen to some of the words about God. He's the most high God. He's God of God, God's Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the high and lofty one, the King of glory, the glory and strength of Israel, almighty God, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Jacob, the great and awesome God, the I am that I am, the everlasting God, the ancient of days, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the living God, creator of heavens and earth, the father of lights, God of all the earth, Lord of heaven and earth, maker of heaven and earth, a consuming fire, the holy one of Israel, judge of all the earth, just and mighty one, eternal king, great king, king eternal, immortal, invisible, King of all the earth, King of glory, King of heaven, King of the nations, King of saints, King of the angels, majesty on high, ruler of all things, hiding place, high tower, horn of my salvation, my glory, my song, my strength, my refuge, my rock, my shade, my shelter, my shield, strong fortress, strong refuge. And that's just maybe one fifth of these three pages of the names and titles and descriptions of God in Scripture. This is God. He's preeminent. And somehow or another, He's also personal. He's our God. This is God. And He's our God. He's personal. 
Turn back with me to Genesis chapter 17 for just a moment. I have way more material than I have time to give tonight or this morning by that matter when I was preaching this this morning for the first time. But in Genesis chapter 17, you know, God is just revealing himself to mankind, this great God we've been describing. And, and of course, he revealed himself to Adam and Eve. He revealed himself to Noah. And he was going to reveal himself to Abraham and start a nation, a chosen people. And he does that in chapter 12 of Genesis. And he does it again in chapter 15 and again in chapter 17. And here we are, Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you. That's personal, isn't it? And will multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him. Wow. He's personal. The Bible tells us in Exodus 33 verses 9 through 11 that Moses spoke to God face to face as a man would speak with his friend. He's personal. And David goes on to say in the beloved 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Yes, he is God. He's preeminent. But he's personal. He's our God. And even more than that, he's my God. Is he your God? Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven. Our Father. When Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to Mary and at least one of the other women there in John chapter 20. And Mary doesn't know what to do to contain her joy. And she falls down in front of him and, the, and, she, and they held on to his feet. What are you going to do when you see God for the first time? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? I'd probably hit the bottom, you know? We sing sometimes about standing in the presence of the Lord, and maybe we will, but I think we're going to do a lot of bowing and prostrating at his feet. I'm not sure. But those women fell down, and they held his feet, and Jesus said, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended unto your Father and my Father. He's personal. God formed Jeremiah in the womb personally and knew him before he was formed in the womb and sanctified him before he was born and ordained him as a prophet before he was born, Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you and ordained you to go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, John 15, 16. And Jesus said to his fellows before he went to the cross, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, very personal, I will come again and I will receive you unto myself. Wow. Our God 
is preeminent, but he's personal. And he's permanent. It says in Psalm 48, 14, this is God, preeminent, our God, personal, forever and ever, permanent, permanent. I asked this question in Murray this morning. Uh, Do any of you ladies still get a permanent? (laughs) You know, when I was growing up on the farm, my mother was excellent, I guess, at giving permanents. And different ladies of the family would come in, my aunts and, and uh, cousins and, and stuff, and neighbor ladies even, and, and they just took over the house, which was fine with us because it stunk. And, and they would put bowls of something on the table and, and goo up something and put it in their hair and, and sit there for a long time and, and let it set because it was a permanent. But was it permanent? No. It only lasted for six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it was, and then they went through it again because it, the permanent wasn't permanent. But God's permanent. He's forever and ever. I am the Lord, I do not change, Malachi 3.6. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13.8. I had the privilege of being up at IRBC family camp, not this last week, but the week before, and Aaron and Isaac were there. It's glad, glad to have one of our sons and grandsons here tonight. I haven't heard them say amen yet, but maybe they have. <laughs> but they're selling stuff up at camp, and maybe you have it already, the shirt that has 70 on it, 1950 to 2020. 70 years our camp has been in existence. Can you imagine how much has changed in 70 years? I'm 67, and I can't believe all the changes I've seen. I can't believe the changes in my country since I was a boy. When we didn't have to lock our doors and we didn't have to take the keys out of the ignition of our cars. We didn't have to keep our eyes on every little child at all times. We didn't have swearing on television. And on and on and on. The changes that have taken place in the United States of America. And can you believe the changes in the last six months in our country? And the things that they're telling us to do and not to do. I'm concerned about a lot of that, but I tell you what comforts me is the fact that God's permanent. God doesn't change. And we need God. We need Jesus. And he's preparing a place for me and you tonight, if you know Christ, and it's permanent. Well, he's preeminent, he's personal, he's permanent, and finally he's pastoral. It says in Psalm 48, 14, 
He will be our guide even to death. That's what a pastor is, a guide, a shepherd. And every church needs a shepherd. Every flock needs a shepherd. I was glad, even though I was filling a pulpit this morning, the the little church in Murray next Sunday is having a potential candidate, and I hope that, that he's a good man and that he goes and that that church has a shepherd. David was a shepherd boy, and David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Bible says he's the good shepherd, he's the great shepherd, he's the chief shepherd. He's pastoral. You know, I was raised on a farm down in southwest Iowa, and we had everything but sheep. We had cattle, cattle, we had hogs, we had chickens. We had horses. We didn't have any sheep. I don't know a whole lot about sheep. But the Bible calls us sheep. The Lord is the maker of heaven and earth and all that in them is, including us. And the Bible says we are the sheep of his pasture, those of us that are believers. And of course, as you have heard, that's not really a compliment that we're sheep. Sheep are among the most helpless and defenseless of all animals. I was thinking about this. You know, you go to certain parts of our country and there's wild boar, wild hogs. There's wild horses. There's wild buffalo and there's wild turkey and there's wild this and there's wild. Have you ever heard of a flock of wild sheep? There is none. They, they would not survive. We need a shepherd and the Lord is our guide. And I'm so thankful. He's our guide even unto death. When I, I do a lot of walking and praying, the Bible says watch and pray, I walk and pray, okay. Um, and, and, uh, and I use that ACTS formula, you know, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I love it. And uh, sometimes I spend a long time just listing things I'm thankful for to God. I mean, I'm thankful for being born in the United States of America. I'm thank- I could have been born anywhere, but I was born here. I'm thankful that I was born in a Christian home with mom and dad that knew and loved Christ. I could have born, been born in any kind of a home or not in a home. And on and on I go. I thank God for Sunday school teachers. I thank God for pastors. I thank God for the missionaries I've come across and the evangelists I've come across and those that have been in our home and my Bible college professors and on and on and on. Adoration. And I'm thankful that 50 years ago, Tuesday, 
August 4th, 1970, I met Jenny Limbaugh at the Iowa Regular Baptist Camp. We were there, we were just there uh, recently, and one of the grandsons says, Grandpa, can you tell me exactly where you met Grandma? And I said, yes, I can. And I showed him 50 years ago. And so I've been doing a lot of thinking and a lot of thanking God for what he's done in our lives. I, I met Jenny. She was going to be a sophomore in high school. She was 15 years old. No cards or letters or emails. I just, you know, I know she was young. It wasn't planned that way. I'm joking. Well, she was 15. That's true. And I was 17, almost 18. I was headed to Faith Baptist Bible College to be a freshman there in Bible College. And I was not planning to meet my future wife that week. But I did. And love to tell you more details, but I got to move along. We went to Faith, got married, uh, entered the ministry. Um, God gave us four children. Uh, we pastored three churches. I was a hospice chaplain in Davenport. Moved to Altoona. God enabled us to retire and, and have a very comfortable home and be near our children and grandchildren. And, and, you know, in your human mind and thinking, you're set up, you know, for a few years, right? And that wasn't God's plan. And so that week in ER and the regular room, then a step-up room, and then ICU for several days, and then hospice, and then my wife goes home to heaven. And then our kids move in with me for a week, and then we plan visitation and a funeral, and, and uh, we're just encouraging each other for a whole week 21 of us in the same house and and uh, then the kids dive into all the thank you notes and and you know I've been I'm such a blessed man in many 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 ways and I'm sure when it's all over I'll echo the words of that song Jesus led me all the way he's my shepherd Jesus led me all the way step by step each day I will tell the saints and angels as I lay my burdens down, Jesus led me all the way. And he will be our guide even unto death. This is a great verse. We have a great God, he is preeminent. The God of gods, Lord of lords, King of kings. He's personal. He's our God. He's my God. He's your God, if you know him. He's permanent. It's forever and ever. He's forever and ever. We're forever and ever with him as believers. And he's pastoral. He is our shepherd. He is our guide. He is our guard. Even in the valley of the shadow of death and beyond. Praise the Lord. I hope he's your shepherd tonight. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. Thank you for this time to share together. Thank you for what you're doing 
in our lives. Lord, we don't even know the half of it because your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than ours. But you love us so much that if the ocean was filled with ink instead of water and every stock was a quill and every person was a scribe and the sky was a huge expansive scroll we still could not pen all the words necessary to explain and expound your love for us. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing and what you will do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.